Book First, Chapter Eleven of A Day of Fate by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Book First, Chapter Eleven. Moved. Mr. Yocomb, I said as we mounted the piazza, what is the cause of the smoke rising above yonder mountain to the east of us? I have noticed it several times this afternoon, and it seems increasing that mountain was on fire on saturday i hoped the rain of last night would put it out but it was a light shower and the fire is under headway again it now seems creeping up near the top of the mountain for i think i see a faint light i do distinctly the mountain begins to remind me of a volcano the moon will rise before very long and you may be treated to a grand sight if the fire burns as i fear it will this is a day of fate i said laughing and almost any event that could possibly happen would not surprise me it has seemed a very quiet day to me said the old gentleman neither mother nor any one on the high seat had a message for us this morning and this afternoon i took a very long nap if thee had not come and stirred us up a little and emily warren had not laughed at us both i would call it almost a dull day as far as any peaceful day can be dull such days however are quite to my mind and they'll like them better when thee sees my age i'm inclined to think i replied that the great events of life would rarely make even an item in a newspaper mrs yocomb looked as if she understood me but miss warren remarked with a mischievous glance personals are generally read editors gossip about others not themselves you admit that they gossip that one did little else seems to be your impression news and gossip are different things but i'm glad your conscience so troubles you that you exaggerate my words emily warren thee can squabble with richard morton all day to-morrow after thy amiable fashion but i'm hankering after some of thy music i will keep you waiting no longer sir and would have come before but i did not wish you to see mr morton while he was in a very lamentable condition why what was the matter with him asked ada who had just joined us in the lighted hall he seems to have very queer complaints he admits that he was intoxicated and he certainly talked very strangely miss ada did i talk strangely or wildly this afternoon no indeed i think you talked very nicely and i told silas jones that i never met a gentleman before who looked at things so exactly as i did this was dreadful i saw that miss warren was full of suppressed merriment and was glad that mrs yocomb was in the parlor lighting the lamps i suppose mr jones was glad to hear what you said i remarked feeling that i must say something he may have been but he did not look so mr yocomb you have your daughter's testimony that i was sober this afternoon and since that time i have enjoyed nothing stronger than milk and the odor of your old-fashioned roses if i was in a lamentable condition in the garden miss warren was the cause and so is wholly to blame emily warren does thee know that thy mother eve made trouble in a garden i've not the least intention of taking mr morton out of the garden he may go back at once and i have already suggested that you would give him plenty of hoeing and weeding there i'm not so sure about that i fear he'd make the same havoc in my garden that i'd make in his newspaper then you think an editor has no chance for eden thee had better talk to mother about that if there's any chance for thee at all she'll give thee hope 
now emily warren we are all ready sing some hymns that will give us all hope no sing hymns of faith ada took a seat on the sofa and glanced encouragingly at me but i found a solitary chair by an open window where i could look out across the valley to the burning mountain and watch the stars come out in the darkening sky within i faced miss warren's profile and the family group i had not exaggerated when i told miss warren that i was conscious of a fine exhilaration sleep and rest had banished all dragged and jaded feelings for hours my mind had been free from a sense of hurry and responsibility which made it little better than a driving machine in the mental leisure and quiet which i now enjoyed i had grown receptive highly sensitive indeed to the culminating scenes of this memorable day even little things and common words had a significance that i would not have noted ordinarily and the group before me was not ordinary each character took form with an individuality as sharply defined as their figures in the somewhat dimly lighted room and when i looked without into the deepening june night it seemed an obscure and noble background making the human life within more real and attractive miss warren sat before her piano quietly for a moment and her face grew thoughtful and earnest it was evident that she was not about to perform some music but that she would unite with her sincere and simple friends mr and mrs yocomb in giving expression to feelings and truths that were as real to her as to them how perfectly true she is i thought as i noted the sweet childlike gravity of her face then in a voice that proved to be a sympathetic pure soprano well trained but not at all great she sang my faith looks up to thee their faith seemed very real and definite and i could not help feeling that it would be a cruel and terrible thing if that pronoun thee embodied no living and loving personality the light in their faces like that of a planet beaming on me through the open window appeared but the inevitable reflection of a fuller richer spiritual light that now shone full upon them one hymn followed another and reuben who soon came in seemed to have several favorites little zilla had early asked for those she liked best and then her head had dropped down into her mother's lap and miss warren's sweet tones became her lullaby her innocent sleeping face making another element in a picture that was outlining itself deeply in my memory ada having found that she could not secure my attention had fallen into something like a reverie very possibly she was planning out the dress that she meant to cut to suit herself but in their repose her features became very beautiful again her face to me however was now no more than a picture on the wall but the face of the childlike woman that was so wise and gifted and yet so simple and true had for me a fascination that excited my wonder i had seen scores of beautiful women i lived in a city where they abounded but i had never seen this type of face before the truth that i had not was so vivid that it led to the thought that like the first man i had seen in the garden the one woman of the world the mistress of my fate a second later i was conscious of a sickening fear to love such a woman and yet not be able to win her how could one thereafter go on with life beware richard morton on this quiet june evening in this home of peace and the peaceful and with hymns of love and faith breathed sweetly into your ears you may be in the direst peril of your life from this quiet hour may come the unrest of a lifetime then hope whispered of better things 
i said to myself i did not come to this place i wandered hither or was led hither and to every influence of this day i shall yield myself if some kindly power has led me to this woman of crystal truth i shall be the most egregious fool in the universe if i do not watch and wait for further possibilities of good how sweet and luminous her face seemed in contrast with the vague darkness without more sweet and luminous would her faith be in the midst of the contradictions obscurities and evils of the world the home that enshrined such a woman would be a refuge for a man's tempted soul as well as a resting-place for his tired body sing tell me the old old story said mr yocomb in his warm hearty way was i a profane wretch because the thought would come that if i could draw in shy hesitating admission another story as old as the world it would be heavenly music could it have been that it was my intent gaze and concentrated thought that made her turn suddenly to me after complying with mr yocomb's request she colored slightly as she met my eyes but said quietly mr morton you have expressed no preference yet i have enjoyed everything you have sung i replied and i quietly sustained her momentary and direct gaze she seemed satisfied and smiled as she said thank you but you shall have your preference also miss warren you have sung some little time and perhaps your voice is tired do you play chopin's twelfth nocturne that seems to me like a prayer i'm glad you like that she said with a pleased quick glance i play it every sunday night when i am alone a few moments later and we were all under the spell of that exquisite melody which can fitly give expression to the deepest and tenderest feelings and most sacred aspirations of the heart did i say all i was mistaken ada's long lashes were drooping and her face was heavy with sleep and it suggested flesh and blood and flesh and blood only miss warren's eyes in contrast were moist her mouth tremulous with feeling and her face was a beautiful transparency through which shone those traits which already made her to me preeminent among women i saw mrs yocomb glance from one girl to the other then close her eyes while a strong expression of pain passed over her face her lips moved and she was undoubtedly speaking to one near to her though so far seemingly from most of us a little later there occurred one or two exquisite movements in the prayer harmony and i turned to note their effect on mrs yocomb and was greatly struck by her appearance she was looking fixedly into space and her face had assumed a rapt earnest seeking aspect as if she were trying to see something half hidden in the far distance with a few rich chords the melody ceased mr yocomb glanced at his wife then instantly folded his hands and assumed an attitude of reverent expectancy reuben did likewise at the cessation of the music ada opened her eyes and by an instinct or habit seemed to know what to expect for her face regained the quiet repose it had worn at the meeting-house in the morning miss warren turned toward mrs yocomb and sat with bowed head for a few moments we remained in perfect silence then there was a faint flash of light followed after by an interval of a low deep reverberation the voices in nature seemed heavy and threatening the sweet gentle monotone of the woman's voice as she began to speak was divine in contrast slowly she enunciated the sentences what i do thou knowest not now but thou shalt know hereafter after a pause she continued as the dear young friend was playing 
These words were borne in upon my mind. They teach the necessity of faith. Thanks be to the God of heaven and earth that he who spake these words is so worthy of the faith he requires. The disciple of old could not always understand his Lord. No more can we. We often shrink from that which is given in love and grasp at that which would destroy. Though but little, weak, erring children, we would impose on the all-wise God our way instead of meekly accepting his way. Surely the one who speaks has a right to do what pleases his divine will. He is the sovereign one, the Lord of lords, and though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But though it is a king that speaks, he does not speak as a king. He is talking to his friends. He is serving them with a humility and meekness that no sinful mortal has surpassed. He is proving, by the plain simple teaching of actions, that we are not merely his subjects, but his brethren, his sisters, and that with him we shall form one household of faith, one family in God. He is teaching the sin of arrogance and the folly of pride. He is proving for all time that serving, not being served, is God's patent of nobility. We should not despise the lowliest, for none can stoop so far as he stooped. Every few moments her low sweet voice had, as an accompaniment, distant peals of thunder that after every interval rolled nearer and jarred heavier among the mountains. More than once I saw Miss Warren start nervously and glance apprehensively at the open window where I sat, and through which the lightning gleamed with increasing vividness. Ada maintained the same utterly quiet impassive face, and it seemed to me that she heard nothing and thought nothing. Her eyes were open her mind was asleep she appeared an exquisite breathing combination of flesh and blood and nothing more reuben looked at his mother with an expression of simple affection but one felt that he did not realize very deeply what she was saying but mr yocomb's face glowed with an honest faith and strong approval the master said continued mrs yocomb after one of the little pauses that intervened between her trains of thought what i do thou knowest not now there he might have stopped presuming is the subject that asks his king for the why and wherefore of all that he does the king is the highest of all and if he be a king in truth he sees the furthest of all it is folly for those beneath the throne to expect to see so far or to understand why the king in his far-reaching providence acts in a way mysterious to them our king is kingly, and he sees the end from the beginning. His plans reach through eternities. Why should he ever be asked to explain to such as we? Nevertheless, to the fishermen of Galilee, and to us, he does say, Thou shalt know hereafter. The world is full of evil. We meet its sad mysteries on every side, in every form. It often touches us very closely. For a moment some deep emotion choked her utterance involuntarily i glanced at ada her eyes were drooping a little heavily again and her bosom rose and fell in the long quiet breath of complete repose miss warren was regarding the suffering mother with the face of a pitying angel and its evils are evil resumed the sad-hearted woman in a tone that was full of suppressed anguish at least they seem so and i don't understand them i can't understand them nor why they are permitted but he has promised that good shall come out of the evil and has said thou shalt know hereafter o blessed hereafter 
when all clouds shall have rolled away and in the brightness of my lord's presence every mystery that now troubles me shall be made clear dear lord i await thine own time do what seemeth good in thine own eyes and she meekly folded her hands and bowed her head for a moment or two there was the same impressive silence that fell upon us before she spoke then a louder and nearer peal of thunder awakened zilla who raised her head from her mother's lap and looked wonderingly around as if someone had called her never had i witnessed such a scene before and i turned toward the darkness that i might hide the evidence of feelings that i could not control a second later i sprang to my feet exclaiming wonderful miss warren came toward me with apprehension in her face but i saw that she noted my moist eyes i hastened from the room saying come out on the lawn all of you for we may now witness a scene that is grand indeed end of book first chapter eleven